0: dark and all alone, growing comfortable. Are you too scared to move and walk out of this tree, buried underneath the lies that you believed? sleeping and sound, stuck in the ground, too lost to be found. You're just asleep, and it's time to leave. Come on, now. from the grave. I- Now the door is open wide and the stone's been rolled aside. The world is gone, the light has come, so come on. And rise up, take a breath, you're alive now. Can't you hear the voice of Jesus calling us out from the From the grave like clouds He's, he's calling us to walk out, out of the dark And He's giving us new resurrected hearts And He's calling, calling us to walk, walk out, out of the dark And He's giving us new resurrected, resurrected hearts Ooh. Come, Come on, on, rise up, take Come a breath, you're alive Calling us how from the grave like Lazarus, your brand new power of death, could it hold you? Can't you hear the voice of Jesus calling us? How from the grave like Lazarus, rise up, rise up, how from the grave like Lazarus, rise Rise up, out from the grave like Lazarus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's, Let's all rise up just for a moment. And even if you're going to sit back down, just rise up and say, let's praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's given us resurrected hearts. And we are rising up to walk in a new day. Welcome to Cap City, all of you that are here. It's so nice to see every one of you in kind of a, a snowy day this morning here in Columbus. And, uh, but we made it here. Will you look to somebody to your right or left and just tell them, I'm glad you made it here. That's right. And it will be, it will be okay when you get home just trust me believe me it'll be okay i want to also welcome all of you that are watching online we are so glad that you have chosen to spend part of your sunday with us and we are just going to worship the lord god is doing great things at cap city church and we are so blessed and we're blessed that you have chosen to be a part of this today. So as we worship together, let's just let God have his way. Let's just worship him. I believe he wants to speak to us today in a way that will challenge our hearts. Let's pray for just a moment. Our Father, thank you today for the privilege of worship that, Lord, you bring us out of a world that is filled with chaos and hardship. But Lord, we come today in the house of the Lord, and like one person told me today when they pulled into the parking lot, home, sweet home, in the house of the Lord. And so we just pray, Lord, we you settle over us as we sing this song about the Holy Spirit, and as we just worship you, Lord, I pray that you'll meet with us today, give us an encounter with you, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake all God's people said, Amen. Amen. On the second song after this, if you would like to pray, feel free to join us at the altar.
0: a marvelous hill. joining us at Capital City Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises and then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by. A friendly reminder we are now in
1: the contact period for the journey to Jerusalem. Reach out to your friends and neighbors to join us for Easter on April 17th. We'll have an awesome sunrise service at 7:30 a.m.
0: followed by a breakfast. Make sure to grab one of our Capital City business cards to give to someone you invite. The 24 hour prayer vigil will take place on April 1st and 2nd. If you have not already signed up for a time slot, please be sure to do so as we have plenty of spots still available. Check out the sign-up list on the sanctuary wall. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. May God bless you, and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Please welcome Pastor David as he brings us the message.
1: Don't know about you today, but I feel like I've been to church. Amen. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is worthy. He is God. He always has been. He always will be forever and ever worthy, even today. So thank you so much for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking out of the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John and we're going to at least begin looking at the first verse, but uh, this morning as you're turning to that, we continue to uh, make our journey to Jerusalem. This journey is preparing our hearts and our minds for the great celebration of Holy Week. What a wonderful week that is, and Easter sunrise, and I just talked to Pastor Ed, and He tells me that he has something wonderful, wonderful, wonderful that you will not want to miss on sunrise service. And then Kim and Sandy tell me we're going to have a wonderful breakfast. I don't know what we're going to have, but I guarantee you it'll be the best in town. I guarantee you that. And so it's going to be great. And uh, I just, we're making this journey uh, to Jerusalem and we're going to have a great celebration. We are also preparing, as you heard in the announcement video, for our prayer vigil. And this is going to be an exciting time. Sign up for an hour. Say, I don't know how to pray for an hour. Then read your Bible for an hour. Sign up for an hour and let God help you and let God speak to you. And and it's just going to be a time for our church where we gather together and seek God's face. It is actually going to be a very, very beautiful time. Scripturally, we've been following the steps of Jesus as he began from Nazareth, stopped off at the Jordan River, where there he was introduced by John the Baptist and by the Father as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And then he told us his mission, that his mission was going to be to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captive free. What a beautiful beautiful mission. And then his journey led from there, from the Jordan River to the wilderness, where for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted of the devil and tempted of the evil one. May I tell you, you never have faced a temptation that he has not already faced and overcome. That is a beautiful truth. No matter what it is you're facing today, he has faced that And overcome it. And then from the wilderness, it led to the Sea of Galilee, where there he began to talk to young men about following him. And he said, if you follow me, I will make you to become a fisher of men. And he began to call them, and they began to follow him. But this morning when we come to chapter 8 of John, and because of time... You know, I could preach to you from uh, the whole life of Jesus for a long, long time. Uh, one time I preached uh, through the book of Ephesians at Brookside uh, for two years on a Sunday night. Uh, and so it, it could take me a while, and so I don't think we have that kind of time. So uh like you do sometimes on, the, on the, uh, uh, the Big Ten games or whatever, this, this recording has been forwarded uh, to preserve time. And so we come to John chapter 8 and verse 1, and we find Jesus now in Jerusalem, not yet ready for all that is going to happen, but he has come to Jerusalem, and we know where that pathway leads We know that when he comes to Jerusalem, he knows in his mind and his heart that he is coming to sacrifice his life. He is coming to lay down his life to shed his blood for our sins. And so as he comes to the temple gate, he had already taught the multitudes on the mountain in the sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. He had already spoke and debated with religious leaders he had already given living water to a samaritan woman who said that she was so thirsty on the inside he had fed 5000 people with 5 loaves and 2 fish He had calmed an angry storm with just a word on the Sea of Galilee. He had walked on the water. He had set his face, though, to Jerusalem, even though the disciples and those who loved him said, No, Lord, don't go to Jerusalem. The tensions are rising. And even though he knew the tensions were rising, the Bible says he set his face to Jerusalem. That's sometimes what we have to do if we're going to walk with God It's not always easy. Sometimes we just have to set our face to do what is right and what is before God. And so he comes to the temple court. And there he sits down and begins to teach people when there was a huge interruption. And this happened.
0: Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. For whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, In adultery, in the very act. Now, Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? He that is without sin among you. Let him first cast the stone at her. thine accusers, hath no man condemned thee?
1: This is a common story for those of us who are familiar with the New Testament. Very interesting story, but I want you to know, and as you watched that clip today, I think it was interesting that when they said, what do you say? Jesus was quiet for a moment. He did not just respond off the top of his head, so to speak. But he began to process this whole conversation and began to process what was right before him not only processing it he had already done so he is god but wanted to process it so that the people who were looking on would understand for you see in this common story this common situation reflects and addresses some of the deepest theological truth in all of the Bible. It addresses some of the deepest dilemmas of God's heart throughout the centuries of time. This particular story has a mystery about it that the whole Bible has to answer and is shaped around And if misunderstood, could derail the whole story of redemption. You see, there were several facts and realities. This woman, lying in the dust, accused by Pharisees. There were facts and realities that had to be addressed. There were two issues at play here. The first issue is the love of Christ and also the love of God for sinners and his compassion for people who have sinned. But there is also the dilemma of the value of the word of God and the value of the commandments of Christ and the value of the commandments that were given, that we still live in many of those today. How would he address those things? There is also another subplot, for the Bible says that these men threw this woman, and it it breaks my heart, using another person to try to make a point May we never, ever do that politically, religiously, or any other way. You don't have a right to put anybody down to make a point. Amen, David, that's good preaching. And there was also this dilemma. The Jewish law said that if a person was taken in adultery, they were to be stoned to death. But the problem was The Roman law did not recognize Jewish law, and Roman law had forbidden anyone being put to death on the the basis of just religious grounds. So either way, Jesus spoke in this, there's a paradox. Is he going to value the love of the sinner, or is he going to value the word of god which he said is eternal and will never pass away is he going to value jewish law or is he going to value roman law if he values jewish law the romans would come after him if he valued or if he violated uh, the jewish law then the jewish leaders uh, this was truly a well thought out well-documented, strategy and plan. This just didn't happen. There were scholars of the law who sat and plotted until they could find an innocent, or not innocent, but a sinful victim to make an example of. So how did Jesus respond? Well, there are five things. First of all, Jesus acknowledged the reality of sin. Hear me this morning. This was not a false accusation. They caught her in the very act. This was not something that was a made-up lie. I heard this or somebody said this or, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about this, but somebody somewhere told me this. Let me just pause a minute and say... Whenever I hear that, whenever I hear people gossiping about another person, and I'm sure I'm not talking about anybody in this church, here's my always my answer. I'm not going to believe that until someone proves that to me. You'll be a lot better off. If you don't listen to everything that goes around the grapevine, I'm not going to believe that until someone proves that to me. Well, I could get stopped there, but I better not. But it was not a made-up story. It was not an ugly rumor. It was not a gossip story. This was not, as one person calls it, or many people now are calling it, fake news. This was true. So what would Jesus do? He acknowledged, first of all, the reality of the sin. And we must acknowledge in our hearts the reality of sin before we can ever know the beauty of redemption. Let me tell you this morning that we are living in a culture that is being formed by two great misconceptions that is leading us on a path Not only of destruction, but leading us on a path of intersection with God. The first is, our world culture is being shaped by a misconception of God. It's an interesting thing if you ask people, who is God and what is he like? Some people think he's a great big grandpa up in the sky that, ho, 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 I want you to know that's not God. We just sang it. He is holy. He is not a God who just sits back and, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want. Oh, I just love you. you." He does love us, but that's not his heart. The misconception of God by some people is that he doesn't care about evil, that it's okay if you do evil. It's, It's all right, that's all right. We don't have to worry about that. That's a deadly mistake. And there are others that say, well, he's a God who, who really is far, far, far away, and he really doesn't care much about what we're doing. And then there are others who just say, I don't believe there's a God at all. If we don't believe there's a God, if we don't believe that God is holy, if we don't believe that God will one day bring judgment on sin, if we believe that God is just a large grandfather, that whatever you want to do is fine. I know when our grandchildren come, Connie and I had an agreement. This was our agreement. Unless the kids were going to kill themselves, it was okay. That, that was the rule. You know, I mean, if they wanted an extra cookie, grandma and grandpa didn't see. Now, mother saw when she came home, said, have you that too? Yeah, 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 yeah. But if they weren't killing themselves and they weren't putting anyone or themselves or others in danger, probably okay. Now, well, we could stay there a long time too, but uh, uh, we'll just say that's the way it was. And, and when I was traveling with the college group, uh, some time ago, in the uh, the, uh, the the group there that was um, can't even remember their name now. It, uh, what was your name? Ablaze, Yeah, I wanted to call Alexa. And I knew that wasn't right. If I call Alexa, half your phones will go off. And uh, so we were traveling with Ablaze and I uh, I said something to Larry Frick, who was here talking to you some some months ago. And I said, Larry, I love doing this because I'm like a big parent uh, going around with these kids." And he laughed, said, "David, I know you. You're not a parent. You're a grandparent, and you're letting them do whatever they want to do." I said, "Well, yeah, probably that. that's probably right. But God is not a big grandparent. God despises sin. Sin is a willful disobedience of the known law of God. And sin is a serious problem in our lives and in our world. And that's the second misconception. We have a misconception about sin. That it's okay. That it's just normal. It's just natural. Everyone does it. Who cares? Nobody really cares about that. Oh, that's just for the old people. It's a misconception about sin. And it has deadly consequences. Sin is a serious problem. Sin brings about suffering. Sin destroys everything it touches. Sin separates from God. And sin brings death. We need to understand that sin cannot be explained away. Oh, well, you know, it's not so bad these days. No. Sin is sin. Sin cannot be overlooked. Well, just overlook it. It's no big problem. You know, who cares? You know, uh, uh, no, God doesn't do that. Well, why don't we just ignore it? You know, it'll go away. We can just ignore the sin in our lives. No, that's a wrong conception. And when you allow sin in your life, it will have consequences. It will bring you into an intersection with God. It was Carl Menninger who wrote the book and some of us who grew up in the uh, 50s and 60s and 70s wrote the book entitled, Whatever Happened to Sin? Today, nothing is sin. I mean, shoot somebody, well, it's somebody else's fault. I mean, rob a store. Well, it's because they're in poverty. Well, you, you do something terrible. Well, they've had a bad childhood. Uh, all those things. What ever happened to sin? And Jesus knew this could happen, and that's why he didn't just simply explain it away or ignore it or overlook it and say it's no big deal. No, this woman was taken in sin, in the very act of sin. And before forgiveness could come, it had to be confessed. And before restoration could come, there had to be repentance. I want you to understand this. Don't fall in to the way the world thinks. That sin's okay. It's not. Well, let's look a little farther. Jesus then not only acknowledged the reality of sin, but he acknowledged the value of the law. The law of Moses was clear. Those who broke the law deserved to die. Those of the law of Moses was from God, and that law of Moses was the very foundation of our faith. The law of Moses had to be settled one way or another. He couldn't just look at this woman and say, okay, don't worry about it. That was impossible for a holy God. And yet on the other hand, he didn't want to throw a lightning bolt out or say, yes, sir, you've sinned. Yes, sir, you're, you're dying. The law of God had to be settled. When we understand that the law of God says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That sins brings death and destruction. And I don't like to say this, but you need to hear it. Sin will bring the judgment of God on your life. You don't want to hear this. I get up from bed and come in a snowstorm to hear this. I just want you to know the truth. But there's something else. Jesus acknowledged not only the sin, and the value of the law. And I love this. Jesus acknowledged the value of the sinner. While they were throwing her down and ready to cast stones at her, While they were making her example and and putting her in front of embarrassment. Yes, she had sinned. Yes, she was taken in a very act of sin. Yes, she had sinned before God. She'd sinned in the sight of others. And here she was. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus acknowledged the value of the sinner. While it is true that sin demands judgment. That's true, but it also is true that God loves sinners. Aren't you glad? Because he loves a sinner like me, and I want to tell you what, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the fact that God loves sinners is an amazing thing, and you can see the great dilemma, sure, you can see the great dilemma that was was squeezing in around this woman. God loved her. The Bible says God so loved the world and whosoever believeth. And Jesus said, I have not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. His mission was to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. To set at liberty those that were bound. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. How do these two things get resolved in this one woman in the dust of the ground? What Jesus saw when they saw a person to make fun of. And what he sees in you and me. He saw her as a person. I'm so glad he saw her as a person in pain, a person that was broken, a person that was condemned by those who were charged to help her. May that never be said about our church. Let us never get that self-righteous. I love it when one person said, can I bring anyone to church here? I said, yes, sir. You mean if they're sinners, I can bring them to church? Yes, sir. You mean if they don't look like you, you can bring them to church? Yes, sir. You mean even if they've got a past? Yes, sir. What if they ride in on a motorcycle with a bandana and tattoos like Ed? Yeah, we'll probably put you on staff. He doesn't have tattoos. Okay, thank you, Ed. Thank you, Nan, for helping us. Yeah, that's probably right. The answer is yes. You see, because Jesus saw her past, but he also saw her potential. <laughs> and you see, we look at people through two views. We see people the way they were and the way they are. God sees, and Jesus saw people in a different way. He saw people the way they are, but he also saw what they could be in Christ. And what a beautiful thing that is. He sees you and me, not just where we were, but where we are and what we can be. You see, Jesus and God does not let... Our sin define us. You say, Pastor, there are terrible things in my life. God doesn't let that define you. God doesn't let our sin define us. God doesn't let our sin devalue us. His love fought for a way to deliver us from the penalty and the power of sin. Bless his name. He loves sinners. And so do I. And so do I. And so do I. Well, that brings us then to the fourth thing, as it begins to come to a resolution. Humanly speaking, there was no resolution to this, but Jesus acknowledged the value of grace. You see, grace begins with this simple truth. He began to write on the dust of the ground. Wouldn't you like to know what he wrote? I think that clip was a little short. I, 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 someone said he began to write on the dust of the ground all the sins of those people uh, that were looking on. I, I don't know. We'll get that found out when we get to heaven. But he began to write on the ground. We don't know what he wrote on the ground. But then when he rose up, He said, he that's without sin, you pick up the first stone. I just want you to know, had all of us been in that that place that day, not a one of us. Not a one of us. That's when people like to criticize others and judge others. My always answer is, there's no way I can do it. I can't pick up the first stone. I can't do it because you see, God forgave me and God blessed me and God knows where I was and God knows what I did and God knows. And so he said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And I want you to know that when you talk about sin, it's not about what other people think about you. It's what God thinks about you. And that's where it's about. They don't have the right to pick up a stone and throw it at you. It's the truth. And so then, grace offers forgiveness for the sinner. Forgiveness does not overlook sin. No, it doesn't. It stares it straight in in the eyes. It does not ignore the pain and the truth. But let me tell you what it does do. It covers the sin. When we were pastoring at Urbana, our daughter was about three at that time, two or three. And we were living in an outdated thing these days. It was called a parsonage where the church owned a house and, and uh, the pastor lived there. And the trustees every once in a while would come through just to make sure we were taking care of things uh, like it's supposed to be. And my daughter one day decided that she would use the hallway for a uh, art board and took the crayons and i mean and when connie saw it and when i saw it oh my lands they may kick us out of here for this we may be living in our car after this not really But we thought, what are we going to do so we tried to wash it off well that didn't work we tried as hard as we could and finally, we came up with a, the only idea that really, I think, worked. You got to buy paint. You got to prime it. You got to paint it. You got to paint it again. And after the paint was on the wall, voila, no more marks. They were covered by the paint. Now, let me tell you, we used to sing an old song. Some of you will remember this. Some of you have never heard of it. Poor souls. And uh, this is what it says. They are covered by the blood. They are covered by the blood. My sins are all covered by the blood. My iniquities so vast have been blotted out at last. My sins are all covered by the blood. (laughs) That's a beautiful thought. He not only covers the sin, but he cancels the debt. When we were in Arizona, we were making the big salary. You know, they talk about how preachers get rich. Yeah, I don't believe that. Uh, We were making 60 bucks a week, and my tithe of $6 a week was the hardest tithe I've ever had to pay before since. And uh, I mean, $6, oh God, we can't make it on this. We cannot make it. We've got to give this $6. But God provided. So my grandfather, who I've referred to often here, decided to help us. We had a a 65 Buick Skylark. It was a convertible. It was a very beautiful car. It had a black Naga hide interior. Uh, it was a very nice car. Here's the problem: we were in Arizona in 120 degree heat, and there was no air conditioning. And when you sit in that car, you woo. I mean, you're. A, I mean, it make you feel like you're a Presbyterian. I mean, you're ready to go. I mean, it's just the way it is. It was so hot, you'd touch the steering wheel and, and finally, my grandfather had mercy on me and said, son, I'll loan you the money for a new car. Oh, that was a great day. It was a 70 Mustang, five on the floor. I mean, can you imagine your pastor riding around like that? But I mean, it was nice. But we struggled sometimes making that payment of $75 a month. And I remember coming up to see my grandfather at one time. And I just honest with him, I said, Grandpa, I'm so sorry, but there have been times we haven't been able to pay this. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you have to know him. He spoke real slow. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. I said, well, I appreciate your understanding. And he said, actually, I've been thinking about just giving you that car. Are you doing more than thinking? Or, you know, where are we in this process? <laughs> no, I know what you're doing out there. I think the whole car at that time cost $3,000. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, you can't even buy a uh, weather tech for that anymore, but nevertheless, uh, I'll, I'll give you this car. I walked out of his house that day, and I thought, oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. The debt is canceled. He gave me a debt. And when Jesus forgives your sin, he cancels the debt. You don't owe it any longer. You don't owe it anymore. The debt is paid in full. (laughs) What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. And the third thing forgiveness means is that he commits not to talk about it anymore. That's what real forgiveness is. My dad, when I was living at home, I mean, we, we, we talked a lot, but when it came to disciplinary items, it was kind of swift. He would walk in, mom would tell him what I did, Okay, son, let's go downstairs. I us spend half the life downstairs in the basement. And he'd always say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I never did believe it then. I don't believe it now. And, uh, and he would apply the belt of education. But when dad was done with it, he was done. We never talked about it anymore. Now, mom, on the other hand, do you remember how when you did it? Yes, yes, I remember that. Do you remember how this happened? Yes. Do, do you remember and, and remember when you did that? Yeah. Can we just let it go? No, I have to tell you. And over and over, and always at the dinner table, she'd bring up, You remember when you bought that wrong gray card home? Yeah, do you remember when you did that? And, and, and I'd say, Oh, please. You see, true forgiveness just simply says. I'm going to forgive it, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. That's what God does with you. Forgiveness brings justification, just as if we'd never sinned. Forgiveness brings this wonderful thing of a pardon. When you're pardoned, it doesn't matter what anyone else wants to do. You are Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, I have to help you to understand, though, that grace was purchased at a great price. When he was able to look at her and offer her grace, he knew it was going to take him dying on the middle cross. Because you see what happened at the cross of Calvary is that God laid my sins on him, laid your sins on him. The penalty had to be paid. Death had to be paid. Sin had to be dealt with. And Jesus took your sin. He took my sin. He took the sin of the whole world. And when he came to that place, and his body was broken, and he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He took your sin and mine. And grace was offered to a woman who is despised and used and cast away to die. The way he concludes as he lifted her up, and I love that picture, as he put his arm around her shoulder, said, now go and sin no more. Now, what do you mean here? He valued living a right life. He was saying Remember what sin did to you, where it brought you to the dust. It can bring you there again. He was saying, remember what what almost happened and almost cost your life. It could do that again. He was saying, remember what I did for you, that I forgave you and didn't condemn you and offered you grace. Go and sin no more. How can I do that? First, by relying on his grace. You can't do that in your own. And secondly, when you fall down and you fall short, Jesus said, or the Word of God says this, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And if you fall down again, come to him as quickly as you can and confess it and tell God, I, I messed up again. I'm sorry. she walked away that day she walked away forgiven transformed and a chance for a new beginning in life here's what i feel about this message today I think there are any number of people, both those who are saved and unsaved, who are carrying a weight of guilt around. And even though you know that on one hand God has forgiven you, you can't forgive yourself and you can't get over this guilt. And even though you know that God has loved you and God has forgiven you and has given you his grace, grace. You can't get past it. God doesn't want you to live that way. God wants you to live in the light of forgiveness. And for some of you that have just tried to ignore it and overlook it and all of the other things that's going on, God wants you just to come and to simply pray Father, I know I've sinned. Will you forgive me? With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I don't know why I feel this so heavy this morning on my heart, but there are people all over this place this morning, you are struggling with guilt one way or another. Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, you know the story that we have looked at. And while it seems to be a a very simple story, so complex and yet so simply resolved, Jesus died, my soul to save, is our only plea. So Lord, I want to pray first of all for those individuals who claim you as their savior. But they walk around and they came even in here this morning and there's a weight that seems heavier than they can bury and they can't seem to get over this weight of guilt. I ask that you will take it away. May they hear you whisper, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more there are others here this morning that have thought that god's just a big grandpa and he doesn't care but you know deep in their heart and in their lives that there is sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken oh god in this moment will you speak to our heart One has already come. If there are others that just want to get up right now and come and pray, we'll pray with you. But here's what I really want you to do. If you're struggling with guilt, it's not saying you're not saved, but you're struggling with some kind of guilt in your mind and in your heart, and you want God to somehow take this guilt away, I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand up right now where you are. Well, what do other people think? It doesn't matter. If you're struggling with guilt, just stand. Yes, God bless you. Just stand right where you are. I'm struggling with a guilt problem. I'm struggling with this thing. There is guilt in my life, whether I'm saved or unsaved. There's just things I feel so guilty about. You don't have to tell me about it. You don't have to tell anybody else about it. But I just feel so guilty this morning. And even when I come to church, I just feel so guilty. And you're just saying, I want God to take this guilt away from me. You just stand quickly. God bless you. God bless you. People are standing in different places. Anyone here say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I've never really repented of my sin. And it's as simple as ABC, admit that you have sinned. Believe that he loves you and can and will forgive you and confess him as your Lord. And you just want to stand today and just simply say, I want Christ to live and abide and dwell in my heart. And you can stand. And if there's anyone else that says, just help me because I'm struggling with guilt. I'm struggling with these things. Will you stand? God bless you. God bless you. There's some people. Yes, God bless you. There are some people standing. I want you to remain standing if you will, and if you're close to them, look around and see where they are, and turn around and and just spend time. And I want somebody to come over and pray. Would someone pray uh, with those that are standing? Just just come by. Come in the back back here. Would somebody just come and help us pray over here and, and here in the middle? Would you help help us to pray? We need some people who know how to pray just to come and pray with those that are standing. That God meet them where we are yes god bless you someone come someone come and and let's just pray together let's pray together amen father we come before you today in jesus holy name and lord i thank you that the sweetest words that have ever been heard on planet earth is neither do i condemn thee but go and sin no more lord i have a sense that there are scores of people who are sitting here, they're just afraid to stand up. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They're afraid someone will think bad of them. But Lord, I pray today that you know where they are. You see them as a person. You don't see them as something to be cast aside, but you love them and you gave your life for them and you brought them to that place of knowing Christ. Let every person that is here and every person listening online, may they know that there is a God who loves them and will forgive their sin and cleanse their sin and cancel their sin and cover their sin and make them all together new in Christ. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And we pray today your glory can we sing the chorus let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness will you all just stand with me for just a minute then we'll change the order of the service will you stand and I want us to sing this as as they sang this this morning I told them this is One of my favorite songs of all time, when I used to sing or go with the blaze, I never did sing with them, thank the Lord, Uh, but when I traveled with them, I love this song. Let us become more aware of his presence. Let us experience the glory of his goodness. And I want us to worship the Lord today with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul, and let's just worship Him and let us become more aware of His presence. Let's worship together. may be seated, there we go, you may be seated, and we're going to ask the ushers, if they will, uh, to prepare to wait on you for our morning tithes and offerings, and those of you that are watching online, we are, in just this moment, going to say thank you for joining us today, may the Lord bless you, may you become more aware of His presence, and may you experience the glory of His goodness. You'll see the sign on how you can give online, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you are listening and hearing and being a part of our worship together. So as our ushers are waiting on us, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you that we have this morning the privilege of bringing a portion of that which you've given us health and strength to earn. You blessed us with our jobs. And Lord, you have given this to us. It's not by our own strength. And so, Lord, we come to just bring some of this back to your house today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you may take the offering.